Welcome to CTU Speaks, episode 15, The Corona Crisis. Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight from my Chicago teachers. I am your co-host, Andrea Parker, teacher at Robert Fulton Elementary. I'm Jim Staros, former teacher at King College Prep, now a CTU field rep. So today on the show, we're going to be talking to Jesse Sharkey, president of Chicago Teachers Union, and Stacey Davis-Gates, the vice president of the Teachers Union, about the coronavirus and the impact that's had on our community, our schools, and our city. And we're also going to have some dialogue with Jackie Vaughn, Occupational High School delegate, Emily Hecht. Emily Hecht will talk to us about how she led her school and the school's community after an Vaughn employee tested positive for the coronavirus. For those of you all who do not know, um, Jackie Vaughn High School is named after our Chicago Teachers Union former president, Jackie Vaughn, who was the first African-American president in the 1980s. Yep. Top-down education, Chicago the birthplace. All right, so Andrea and I are coming at you guys today, not from our regular Studio 350, but from our own homes by uh, Zoom meeting, which one of my first Zoom meetings, it's, it's going okay so far. And we got a great episode coming up, but before we get into any of that stuff, uh, Andrea and I wanted to talk about some of the things that we've been thinking about and going through the last week or so, issues that we've seen coming up. It really got serious because, I, you know, I'm going to be honest, I think it was that serious when I heard about it in China. I was just like, you know, it's going to be okay because we had like, you know, we had SARS and we had Ebola and we had the Zika virus and we had all these different issues. Yep. Um, but I, so I didn't think that it would, so it would come so close to home. Right. And affects the whole world. So, I, but I think when the NBA and it, um, you know <laughs> shut down and March Madness shut down, I said, okay, it's it's getting real. Yep. No, it's and, true. Yeah. And then when Seattle closed down their school system, I said, okay, I think everybody is going to follow suits. And it just kind of got scary. It was just funny that like a week ago, or yep. just two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, I didn't think that we'll be here today. No, I agree. A couple <laughs> weeks ago, I didn't think it was that serious either. I had a I did have a friend that teaches out in Seattle area. And he was mm-hmm. telling me how serious it was getting. And to be fair, I didn't even really believe him 100%. I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, mm-hmm. but, but you're right. When they started shutting down all these giant money-making events, I'm Correct. like, oh, wow, somebody must be really, you know, serious about this now. And so, like, you just see in the, you know, in the course of, because CPS Council School starting Tuesday, and so just seeing the course of your life change and your day-to-day operations change in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Uh, and our students' day-to-day change in the blink of an eye uh, because not that we are on, because like, students have been out before like on break or because of our, you know, a strike, but it's never where they have to stay in the house, be quarantined, uh, and it's just different. And then we don't even know the longevity of this. Uh, we no. know that our mayor said now it was first, it was going to be to the 29th, and now yeah. it's going to, of March now is going to be April twentieth. Yeah. So and we don't and that's not even set in stone because we don't know right. how this situation is going to evolve, and it could be longer. So um, just this uh, level of not of not knowing. Yep. Uh, it can it bring a lot of people into a panic, even teachers. And so I've been staying home doing you know the social distancing. That's that's like the trendy word that people are using now. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, really going outside when needed to the grocery store or basically kind of it. 
I know with the social distancing and all that, like I'm a pretty uh, being out with other people kind of person. And, you know, what they're, they're saying, only these essential employees can really be out and about. And I, I found it really interesting who they're considering to be essential employees. Right. You know, because it's, it's not the people that we would think, you know, not the people that are always out there in the news or that we see as these big, high flutin' people out there. They're not the, the traditional like lawyers and CEOs. I mean, mm-hmm. they stay at home and the world's still spinning. Everything's still working. But uh, I was looking on CNN the other day and they had a list. I'm just going to give a couple of them of what they consider to be essential employees. Okay. They said, uh, obviously, healthcare workers. We know that. Mm-hmm. And then they talked about um, construction workers, housing operations, mm-hmm. public transportation, grocery store workers. That's a huge one. Imagine if the yes. grocery stores were all closed. I know. It would be haunting. I know. Food banks, convenience store workers, gas station attendants, garbage collectors. Yeah. Um, and it goes on. Obviously, teachers, you know, on down there as far as um, working with the kids remotely now. We're down there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And but I mean, it's the crazy part is these are the people that have traditionally been marginalized. Right. Now we're seeing that these are the people we cannot survive in our society without having them in in the uh, in the system working. That's correct. Yeah. And we're all in part of this together because it doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. If there's no Mm -hmm. food in the grocery stores, it's the same problem for everybody. And, you know, the same thing with the healthcare situation. I've talked to a lot of people. We talk about a national healthcare system or something better than what we've got now. You know, they're like, oh, well, my health insurance is good. Well, what about the guy next to you? What if his insurance isn't good? What if he can't stay home because he doesn't have paid leave? Well, now he just got you sick. Mm. It doesn't matter how good your insurance is if the dude next to you doesn't have it or the guy walking down the street or the guy standing in line next to you at the store. Correct. It's why it's, we're all in this stuff together and it's critical that we see it that way. And maybe that's the silver lining in all this. We are kind of seeing ourselves as part of this larger community and not just that we can be isolated and I got mine, screw you kind of mentality. That That's sort of how... Our society has been functioning for the last however long. Yeah, yeah. This um, this crisis has transcended race, gender, age, class. Yeah. Everybody in the whole world is affected, whether directly or indirectly. And yes, and you're right. It is time to come together and appreciate the efforts of everyone. Yeah, and you know, one other thing. I don't know if you heard the uh, the mayor's speech the other day. I did. Um, and yeah, it was. There's one part I was I was mad. Sometimes I, I yell at the radio when I'm listening to it. This was one of my yelling at the radio moments. But she was um, talking about how Ken Griffin was giving two point five million dollars to um, to our city. And, and, I who was, Ken, and who was Ken Griffin? Ken Griffin is the richest dude in Illinois. Mm-hmm. He's top fifty in the country. I remember last year he was uh, he bought some condo in New York for like two hundred eighty million dollars. He don't even live in New York, and <laughs> it was the biggest, most expensive real estate deal in the country, I think. But okay. I, I worked out how much money he gave. It worked out to be point zero two percent of his income he gave. Mm. This is the guy that fought against raising income taxes, fought against teachers fought to kill off public schools, fought to kill the public pensions. And now he wants to give $2 million in his ass as a hero. Come on. That's, that's he giving it to CPS. He gave part of, part of it to the schools, I think, and part to the city. I, he split it in half, I think, from what I remember her saying. Okay. But it, 
but it was like he should get a Congressional Medal of Honor or something for this. Right. Because he's got what, like what, two billion, three billion? Oh my, no, 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 no. Oh, that's 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 small no, change. That's how much he made last year. Oh, okay. <laughs> After taxes, he takes home over sixty-eight million dollars a month. A month. Oh wow. A month. I didn't even like visualize that. No, no. I mean, I worked this out. Like, out of his wealth, if I gave thirty-two cents, it's the equivalent of what he gave. If I right. gave 32 cents to somebody, they're not going to be like, oh, my God, thank you so much. But that's that's how Lori is like, oh, thanks, Ken. How about mm-hmm. if you paid the regular amount of income tax that regular people should at your wealth level, then we wouldn't have to be begging you for money. This is right. not the way we should be running the system. It shouldn't be hopefully some rich people donate some money and we'll be OK. It should be sustainable and, and system wide. See, I'm still a little mad, as you can tell. And uh, I, I understand. Did you sense that? Just don't, don't yell at this screen, though, hopefully. I would not yell at you, Ms. Parker. <laughs> Did you see the, the thing Trump was talking about, about giving money to all of the, the adults in the country? I did. Yeah. And, you know, that, that is a good thing. Mm-hmm. All right. And, you know, every once in a while, Trump can accidentally do the right thing. You know what happens? Everybody accidentally. Did. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know how the, the broken clock's right twice a day. Mm-hmm. That That's true. But... You know, it's it seems so obvious to people we need to bail out these industries. But what we really need to be doing is bailing out the people who work for the industry. Yes. I mean, the workers are the people. Industries aren't even real things. Absent the workers, they don't even exist. That is true. Amazon is great as a company. I won't say it's a great company. My bad. It's Mm -hmm. a big company. How about we'll go with a big company? Massive. It's massive. But it's because it's got all those workers. Correct. Workers that make it run. And that's what we need to be able to be thinking about. We, we can come up with trillions of dollars to bail out industry. And then, but when people need it, we don't have the money. And that's right. kind of crazy. The, uh, they were talking about bar- bailing out the airlines because they're taking such a hit with all the, uh, the lack of travel and stuff like that. It's hard to keep social distance on an airplane, you know, because they cram it's true. It. It's true. But you know, the, the airlines have been making huge profits for the last years. Mm-hmm. And instead of saving up money for a rainy day fund or protecting their own interest that way, they've been buying back stock to pump up the price of their shares so that they can take huge paydays as the executives. Yeah. You know, and this is, this is some crazy stuff that we need to be thinking about. And we've got to be looking at it's the workers that deserve this money. It's the workers who drive the economy. It is because they're talking about giving just workers. Um, and there's like several different proposals on the table. Mm-hmm. Some proposals include like a thousand dollars. Some include twelve hundred dollars plus five hundred per child. These are for individuals. However, the corporation they're talking about like millions, multi-million dollar loans Brilliant. for yeah. them. Um, and I'm like, wow, that could be more toward the workers because, like you said, the workers are the ones that make up the corporations. Because when people get this money they're going to pay the, they're going to pay bills yep and so when you get the money to corporations are, are there are there boundaries are, are they obligated to give this to the workers like what are they going to do with it exactly. besides like what are they going to do with it besides i don't know pay put it in their pocket because mm-hmm. i don't know they're going to pay their workers i don't know what they're going to do with it i don't know if there are limitations or ramifications on what to do but i just feel like yes more need to be given to the people so they can be able to, you know, they can bring it, they can give it back to the business they want. But to give all this money to the corporations, I just don't know. No, exactly. Um, Historically, they've not done a very good job of making sure that the workers get it. 
Correct. If you go back to 2008 and nine, it was these big bailouts for the company. The banks. They gave themselves all these bonuses they paid. Correct. The people who tanked the economy, the people got these giant bonuses. Correct. I don't understand the idea that you can screw up the entire world economy and get paid a bonus for doing it. That's that's crazy. It's America. (laughs) Nice. CPS so far, and we give crap to CPS a lot on this show. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think that's most of what we do. But we can give them props every once in a while. We can. Yeah, right. Credit where credit is due. Yep. Very the very little times they've had deserving of credit, we should be able to give it to them. That's right. And so far, they've done an okay job with this. They decided they're going to pay us regular salary. They're even paying subs. And I thought their way of paying the subs, it's, you know, it's not perfect, but I was actually kind of surprised. I thought we were going to have to fight for that. Right. But they did that, um, making sure people aren't losing money or days if they're on leave because of all mm-hmm. the right. maternity leave or other kind of uh, mm-hmm. leaves. Um, but I was almost a full nice thing I said about CPS. Got to watch, always. They're going to try something tricky. We got to stay vigilant on this and make sure that everything that they're doing now, they continue to do and make sure that the, the teachers and the students are protected. We are here today with Chicago Teachers Union President Jesse Sharkey and Vice President Stacey Davis-Gates as we discuss the effects of the coronavirus uh, with the Chicago Teachers Union members and our students. So welcome and thank you all for being here. Um, We've got a couple of questions for you all as I'm sure many teachers would like to know some things and just um, be abreast of what is going on. What is the priority for the union right now? Andrea, first of all, uh, it's I quite what the right word is relief to see some video of people and to be, and, and to be on the show. Um, it's a little bit of semblance of normalcy, even though we're not in the studio. We're, we're all, in our, <laughs> all our houses. Yeah, that's, that's weird. We know how to make it work. Yeah, good. I, I, well, anyway, thank, thanks for keeping, keeping this up. I think the first thing to say is just that, um, you know, the first priority for the union is just to keep our people in touch, um, to keep morale high. That's a, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. It's a scary time. Um, I was in, I, I had to go to the supermarket to get some milk. There's a person in front of me, like in, um, you know, full, you know, uh, gloves, uh, hood pulled over yeah. their face, goggles, mask. And, and it's like, okay, that's, it's a little bizarre. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's scary on certain times and we should just remind each other that, um, all the strength and connections um, uh, that we have as a union are still there. Uh, and we're going to um, keep doing what we have to do to stay connected to each other. I agree. Um, and so uh, while the quarantine, what should teachers know and do during this time, especially with the extension of uh, CPS closing the schools, at least until April 30th? Um, 20th, are- 20th. Right, 20th. 20th April 20th. April 20th, yeah. correct. Teachers are still technically working. So what about, uh, so are there like things they should have to be doing about when it comes to grades, like certain meetings, whether it's IEP meetings, testing, parent meetings, like, because again, it's not that we also work technically, we're still working, but kind of from home. So what are like some expectations of teachers during this time? Well, I mean, the first thing to say about working from home is that it's something we haven't done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Chicago Public Schools did not spend a lot of time 
prior to the shutdown, really making plans or being prepared for this. Right. Um, you know, in, in fact, the announcement to close, which came um, a week ago yesterday, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, was really something which um, state um, in which CPS was still very much in sort of a containment um, uh, mindset at that point, And they didn't do the kind of preparation about what distance learning or e-learning would look like. Um, and so, you know, this last weekend, as we were going into um, the shutdown, they were still trying to figure out what their war room would look like, how they were going to do food distribution, how they were going to do, uh, do deep cleaning in the schools. They hadn't really um, put any energy into figuring out, well, how are you going to get students connected to the internet with a high-speed connection, for example? Right. Um, hadn't really been talking about, like, um, uh, you know, working with teachers to really think through uh, what a regime of distance learning would look like. So a lot of those things were sort of figuring out on the fly. And, uh, you know, as a result of that, we don't really have answers to all these questions about exactly what it looks like. Well, what about things like um, teachers wondering about IEP meetings, parents, report card distribution coming up, all those kind of things? What do we tell our members about that? The first thing I would say is that our members should take a deep breath. And the most important thing that our members can be doing at this moment is taking care of themselves and their family members. That's the first priority. And so, and I think that that's important. Um, There's a lot of anxious energy um, in our like spaces right now. And so taking some time to take a deep breath, to meditate, to, you know, be in um, relationship with each other is like uberly um, important right now. Social distancing is not emotional distancing. And so we have to take right. care of each other. So that's number one. Number two, I would say that with respect to all of the rules in terms of instruction right now, let's be clear about um, what we're doing right now. The two weeks that we were um, closed per the state are active guide days. So the grades, the meetings, all of those things are enrichment, right? And that there, um, anything that is done with respect to work can only help a student. They can't hurt a student. So put that into perspective. And this is evolving, we are going to, you know, be on the side of making sure that teachers have the best type of professional development to, you know, do this work well, have some clarified rule, rules and, and, and focus our energy on how we engage in this moment and what we do in this moment. A couple of the things that I think are very important for members are to stay connected to um, the CTU website. We have um, an entire page dedicated to um, um, facts, questions, and answers. Um, I think it's also important to make sure that they're getting e-blasts so they are reading um, specifics for themselves. Um, Our field reps are available and are fielding multiple inquiries um, from members across the city. Um, So that is a resource as well. Um, And so things are developing. We have vlogs and blogs that are uploaded to um, the website that help to keep us connected, ask and answer questions. Like, I'll be honest with you, I have three children who are um, public school students, kindergarten, um, third grade, and the fifth grade. 
And I've received multiple communications from each teacher every single day. Um, Look, I'm a teacher, so I'm not absolutely like put off by that or overwhelmed by it. But I can imagine that parents who are still doing full time work from their homes um, are getting overwhelmed. So take a deep breath. Make sure we're checking in with families, all of our families, as best as we can and be a resource. But the resource first has to be about social and emotional support. Because that is what this moment calls for. So I just think that, listen, school is done in our school communities. Let's not mistake what we're doing right now because um, for, you know, instruction and the way that we regularly conceive of it. It is a reason why we're in front of students every day in an actual um, classroom because that's important. Um, And there is also a reason why we're going to check in with people on their social emotional space first and and, and kind of backdate the academics. This is traumatic for many people. So let's check in on each other first. Let's take a deep breath. I understand that grades make sense. I understand that attendance and all of those other things that, um, you know, govern our interactions with our school communities. I get that. But I also want people to understand this is uncharted territory. This is a pandemic. We are going to do the best that we can, but center ourselves and our emotional well-being first. And and just to underscore that last point, um, you know, both the state and the federal government have now basically said that testing for for the year uh, is canceled. Um, Although we're not really sure about what AP tests are like. But don't forget, these are the same people who who basically made their entire um, political project all about testing. Testing has been the center of what head reformers have been all about for the last decade. And, And and so even and even those folks are saying we're, we're not going to be testing. So, you know, the, the point Stacy is making about this is not just uh, school the normal way, only through your computer. Um, you know, that's that's being um, that's being underscored by uh, what the state officials are saying. Uh, look, both of my kids are in very different education settings. My old one is at a selective enrollment school and he's getting loaded up with work. My younger son is in a, in a neighborhood school in seventh grade, and he's gone on some of the video chats. And th- frankly, there aren't nowhere near a majority of students are on those. So I, I just think that's the other thing our members have to understand is that you're not getting really like, you know, cut and dry directives because there's a lot of different situations around the city right. and a lot of different ways people are approaching this. The difference between a parent who's got one kid at home who's trying to homeschool their kid versus right. someone who's got, you know, four children, three of whom are, are young and, you know, uh, or maybe has to do work from home, etc. It's just completely different. So let's not try to do a one size fits all approach. Right. So has there been any collaboration with CPS officials like Janet Jackson in reference to like next steps or how do we move forward within the school year? Generally speaking, we've we've had decent communication with some people at the top of the CPS administration. So, for example, um, you know, we were talking to them prior to the initial closing announcement. Uh, They've been communicating with us about logistics that's useful. We, we, you know, when this, this latest uh, shutdown extension came out, we were on the phone with them 
um, you know, all through that, making sure that they were going to continue paying um, people, you know, salary and benefits that was going to continue. Um, we have not had as much conversation with them about, about how remote learning is going to work as we should. Um, that's something which I think is ongoing and it's going to have to keep developing. Well, and I was late to this call because I was on the phone with um, upper level administration at CPS, which I haven't even debriefed Jesse about yet. And um, what I can report is that there was a lot of inquiry, a lot of um, invitation to collaborate and a commitment to getting this right. So um, <laughs> that is promising. Um, and that communication has been consistent. So um, it's all developing. We're going to do our best to stay even and positive um, and work on behalf of um, our school communities. Um, we obviously we're a labor union and the reason why we exist is for our members. But we also know that there's no there are no members if our school communities are compromised and there are no students. Right. And so our objective is to make sure that we can secure our school communities in this moment. And so um, we're going to lead, um, we're going to be collaborative, and we're going to be consistent. Let, let me add something to that, too, um, because one of the things that we've really been thinking about a lot and we're quite aware of is the way in which disaster and crisis in our system is often used to undermine public institutions. Right. We, we, we saw it in New Orleans with Hurricane Katrina, where they used it to privatize the schools. In Puerto Rico, Hurricane Maria, uh, you know, devastated the, the economy of that island. But then it was also, it became an opportunity not only for the privatizers to try to close public schools and replace them with charter schools, but, but also the big landowning companies were buying up distressed real estate assets in an attempt to try to, um, you know, capture larger amounts of the economy and make a profit off that disaster. So we've seen that again, happen again and again. And I thoroughly expect there's going to be similar attempts here, you know, whether that's, you know, the person buying up a garage full of hand sanitizer and then trying to resell it for profit. Really? Uh, and that's a little petty example. What we might expect to happen uh, in this situation is that Google, Amazon, Pearson, a lot of the big purveyors of online content, um, you could see them trying to capture yep. online education as a way to uh, dominate that, that emerging market and undercut our profession and, and what we do with, our, with the craft of teaching. So for the union, it's important to say, okay, there's a crisis. We have to have our own response to the crisis. I understand that, you know, that capital is going to have a capitalist response to the crisis. You know, we need to have a response to the crisis that lifts up our communities and safeguards um, our interests. And that's why you saw the CTU, even prior to the school closing announcement, calling for uh, an extension of paid sick time, calling for an end of evictions. And, and going forward, we're going to continue talking about safeguarding the, 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 the role of the teacher and the craft of the teacher uh, at the heart of public education and continue to talk about why that's important. And we're also going to be making other demands. And, and we see that as politically important right now. It's not just what happens in education. It's, it's really about what is going to happen in society, too. If yeah. we're clear that we're interconnected, that we're going to need students in Chicago. Look, we've already been hemorrhaging Black people in Chicago because yeah. of the destruction of the public sector, public housing, public education, um, being marginalized in Black communities um, predominantly. If we're also in a space where ICE is, you know, running around 
without any type of restriction um, that is going to compromise, you know, the access of immigrant communities in our um, in our city as well. What we have to do is be clear. There has to be a moratorium on rent collection. There has to be a moratorium on mortgage collections, uh, student loans, all of those things. And not just for a month. Quite frankly, we're going to have to act for an extension of that because once this is over, because we'll get through it, there's going to be a time period where there's going to be a higher than normal unemployment. There's going to be a time period where, you know, things have to uh, be established into a new normal. And so just because we go back to school doesn't mean that, yay, we're all back to normal. Absolutely not. Um, And especially for the communities um, that already need the most. And so we have to be very clear about how we're orienting ourselves to the type of activism that we put forth during the strike. When we said bargaining for the common good, that doesn't end with a collective bargaining agreement. That actually should be an uh, overdrive in this moment. Right. Common good bargaining means that when we even go back to the table to talk about anything um, with this pandemic, that we always have our community at heart. So look, um, right now, the United Working Families is front and center. And we're a partner with the United Working Families on a package called Recovery for All. Uh, Recovery for All encompasses more paid sick days. It encompasses rent and mortgage, um, student loans, things that are infrastructure. Um, the world is now tuned into the fact that we have people who need more in this moment than what they've received. And if that's true, then let's take this opportunity to continue to educate them. We have parents who understand like the complexity of the work that we do, the expertise that we have. Let's capitalize on um, the necessary moment of expanding right. the public sector. Anytime Donald Trump can get um, in a briefing and try and do his best Bernie Sanders, we know we've been right. So we have to expand the public sector. We need a Green New Deal. Um, We need to make sure that coming out of this, that we have the ability to collect those federal deposits here in the city of Chicago. Why won't we establish a city bank here in, in Chicago? Why do banks have to get rich off of a crisis? How about the public sector gets expanded? Look, I'm a history right. teacher. During the Great Depression, um, FDR said we needed a new deal. Um, LBJ said we needed a great society um, to combat widespread poverty um, in America. We're at a moment right now where it's not about penalty for sick people going to work. It's really about the expansion of the public service. If we are not seriously talking about universal basic income, Green New Deal, establishing a city bank in order to collect the federal deposits, then we are not talking about expanding the public sector. We cannot come out of this crisis worse than what we went into the crisis with. This is a moment where America, Chicago, Illinois can actually shift the trajectory of um, marginalization, of neoliberalism, of the haves getting more and the have-nots getting less. No, I think that's a great point. I mean, when we look at what people are talking about, it, it seems so obvious to everybody. We need to bail out industries. And in the past, we've had this idea that the 
essential workers are these the big hotshots, the the people making all this money. But when we mm-hmm. see who's really essential now, it's the grocery store workers, the healthcare workers, the garbage collectors. These are the people that everybody understands now is is critical, and mm-hmm. it, it it doesn't matter how great your personal healthcare system might be or how great your insurance is if the guy next to you doesn't have that That's same right. thing. It also shows something about it's really messed up about American society, uh, mm. which is that you've yeah. got literally hundreds of thousands of, uh, you know, Uber drivers, p- people who were working in home health care, uh, service workers who have no job security at all, who've already been laid off. Right. Um, and, and many times they're not even considered employees, so they can't even file for unemployment benefits. Right. And that's going to be a, an unfolding crisis. And, and one that I think as this thing develops, um, our union's collective power to uh, make demands and, and to organize ourselves is, is going to become important that we, that we offer help, um, solidarity, and make demands on behalf of, of the sets of folks across the economy. Right. So that's on a lighter note. I know uh, both of you. Are, <laughs> I know both of you are all parents, and you got children home. So, what is it like trying to teach and advocate for the union and uh, parents and students, and at the same time teaching your kids at home? Well, mine are hiding from me. <laughs> they, <laughs> they they have quickly. Um, they've caught on pretty quickly that if they don't come downstairs early, that they can delay uh, the beginning of school. Um, right. So, but I, I have to tell you, um, in a real you know selfish way, that it has been absolutely intense for my family the last couple of years um, with everything that happens in my workspace. And so having an opportunity just to be home with them, to make meals, to eat meals together um, has been um, a benefit. Like, you know, you always say that a cloud has a silver lining. That's been mine. Yeah, uh, mine are bouncing off the walls. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the I was, you know, me and my wife were sitting in the kitchen. We were having a little break from work. She's working from home, so am I. And uh, the little one was doing laps around the kitchen. <laughs> you know, like, you know, jumping off one of the chairs you're not supposed to jump off, see if he could touch the top of the doorway, you know, skidding around in the socks, healing stuff, hitting everybody. <laughs> it was, um, it was a little nutty, but I, you know, it also brought a kind of a rambunctious joy to the, to the whole thing. So, um, yeah, I'm with Stacy. It, it's um, it's good to be around the family. It, it really is, and it's a, it's a source of uh, solace and, and and joy in what otherwise kind of is a emotionally draining period of time. So I know that we uh, we're going to come to an end. I know that we talked about teachers staying connected. Uh, you know, we talk about social distancing, but not emotional distancing. What mm-hmm. they say. Mm-hmm. So, what are some last words that we want to give teachers in this time, to, uh, as words of encouragement? Uh, because people just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, they don't know they're going to have school out for the rest of the year, or report card pick is going to look like, or people going to graduate or have to go to summer school. I don't know. So, what can we stay, say to stay in touch with each other? Whatever your whatever the way you have to connect, whether it's you know the CT members only Facebook page. Uh, which has got a lot of traffic, uh, a lot of funny threads, uh, you know, a lot of levity there, but also some um, some serious advice. Well, for us, I think it's it's going to be about the continued demonstration of solidarity. And we've gotten a tremendous amount of practice with that. 
um, I would absolutely say make sure that, number one, you are checking in with your delegates. Number two, that you are um, creating space for your PPC and your CAT teams. Um, look, we've done this before. We've dealt with um, challenges, um, not to this extent, obviously, and we still have infrastructure and mechanisms in which we get to communicate um, and, and, and relationships that have been built on adversity. And so I am very trusting in our ability to continue to demonstrate um, the solidarity that we've been practicing for almost a decade now. Um, and, I, and I trust us, not you or me, but I trust us. And so I want us to stay connected in that way. Thanks for coming in. This was great. Yeah, yeah thank no, thank, thank you all for doing this. And this is an awesome resource for our members as well. So as much as we can keep this up, the better off we'll be as well. Thank you. I agree. Thanks. Thank you. See you guys. All right. Hi, we're back here with uh, Emily Heck, a classroom teacher at Vaughn and the English language program teacher there. And she also has a son who is a freshman in CPS. And how are you doing there? Hi, I'm pretty good. Thank you. Well, for many of you all don't know, there was a teacher aide at Vaughn that tested positive for COVID-19. Well, you know, I think the first school was somebody tested positive for COVID-19. So when that happened, what, what went through your mind? What was the atmosphere like at the school? Well, we didn't find out until 6.30 on a Friday. So everybody oh, okay. was already home. Um, so definitely, you know, it was, if we were all in the school building, that'd be, I think, a totally different ball game. But, you know, everybody was home. Um, it went, you know, out right away. We all started kind of texting each other. The principal, you know, contacted us through um, email right away. But, you know, he didn't really know much either. So um, it's just strange because this is two weeks ago. And you think about how much things have changed in the past two weeks. Yes. I think like if we knew then what we know now about COVID-B, maybe we, I don't know what, what it would be like, but, you know, we were all home. So I think that made a, a definitely a big, big difference. Can you just describe um, Vaughn and the students, uh, the population of students you all serve? Yeah, for sure. So it's Vaughn Ac- Occupational High School, Jackie Vaughn, mm-hmm. if we, you know, use the wonderful Jacqueline Vaughn. Um, right. A majority of our students um, come in after they graduate from their home schools. So they've possibly been in cluster programs, you know, from various high schools. Um, our students have anything from mild to severe cognitive disabilities. And we have quite a few students in wheelchairs um, with some physical disabilities. Um, we have a pretty large autism um, population now. So a lot of the students we get come from the cluster programs in their high schools or their eighth grade. Have there been any other uh, members or anybody else at Vaughn that have tested positive? No, as of yesterday, nobody tested positive. So that's just Great. a huge relief. The teacher is a substitute SICA. A SICA is a special education classroom assistant. So those are the classroom assistants that are only assigned to special education classrooms. Um, we have our teaching staff is 20. We have 23 teachers, but our SICA staff, because a lot of times we have like three to one classroom, we have a lot of one-on-one students. So I think we have over 30 um, special education classroom assistants. This teacher is a, a very um, 
a you know very essential part of our staff. We love having her. She she comes you know she's at our school as much as she can be. Okay, so you had mentioned um, about one of the members on your LSC, and I know you had said they had started a GoFundMe page to try to help members in the community. Can you tell me a little more about that? I think you know this the news at, at what happened to our school really hit big because it was you know it was a school so. Right. Um, and it was only the sixth case in Illinois. The president of our LSC, Ms. Oak, she started to go fund me. Um, and that went out in the media because we did have so much media coverage. I mean, if you remember, there were probably like three, four, five days of just, you know, what's going on at Vaughn High School. Yeah. Um, so she was able to raise the GoFundMe, um, raise over $10,000. Wow. And basically people knew that... Um, Families needed cleaning supplies and they couldn't necessarily go out and get them. And just that that's a lot of extra cost to go out and buy um, yeah. so many extra supplies. And, you know, just as most um, CPS, you know, our school is, is is the same as what CPS numbers has. You know, 80% of our students are low income, um, free and reduced lunch. So that was definitely a concern. Like if we could help get any, you know, any supplies, even groceries, that that would be a big help to um, parents. We did have, um, just from the parents that I called, and I was just sticking to the Spanish-speaking parents, um, you know, we do have some single parents that could not leave and also lost their work right away. Um, so a little bit of cash assistance, the donations that we got. Representative Lindsay LaPointe, she was kind of the point person, uh, or her office was the place where that was um, put out in the media as far as for people to take donations. So there were quite a few donations that went to her office. Obviously, I couldn't go there. But um, they had a lot of food donations. There were probably about 50 families that were helped within the first week. Um, and we still are calling families because not everybody has been reached. Um, just as far as like after the initial, the initial calls, we have, we're still talking to families um, that maybe said they didn't need help the first week, but things are changing. Right. So there still is that fund to help parents. Um, um, but yeah, as far as the media, I think, you know, in, in a way now, since there's so many cases, um, I don't know that, you know, there's so many more people, obviously, that are going to need support. So that's a big worry. Like, how are we going to support families across the city? I was wondering if there's any undocumented families in your community that might have special needs or special concerns in this situation. First and foremost is just the complete loss of income. So um, a few members, a few families that I talked to right away, they um, they were told there were two or three that were told do not come to work because you might be infected. Um, so they lost you know that income right away. Another family, a single mother, she couldn't go to work anyway because she is a single mother and there's no one else to watch her daughter. So you know it was an, an immediate um, cessation of any type of income, um, the ability to go to work. Yeah. And they're families that struggle anyway. So, you know, it's not easy for right. them to have a child with special needs and who, you know, has to have someone with them all the time. For families that have, that don't have um, documents, they, I do not see how they're going to be able to get any help from the federal government. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's something that I want to spend some more time on is finding out what sort of organizations in Chicago work with immigrant families, um, work with anybody without documents because they're going to need that support um, immediately. But then that's also something that we can, um, if, you know, we can use some of our funds for because those would be the families in the highest need. Um, so we just want to make sure that they aren't, that they aren't forgotten about. And from what the media says, I, I haven't heard Pritzker, I haven't heard, you know, um, Lori Lightfoot say yeah. how they're going to be able to support 
families that don't have that don't have documents. Chicago is a safe haven. It's a it's a sanctuary city. Right. We're sanctuary schools, but we can't just say that. We also have to provide the support. We to have to back families. it up. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that you know yesterday's um, her her address yesterday could have been an opportunity to fit that in there. I mean, she she knows the reality, and yep. um, but we can't rely on the mayor too. We have to take it upon ourselves because we can't. You know, we know that the city's not going to come in and say, "Here's how we're going to support our undocumented workers and families and parents." So I guess that's going to be our work. Right. And I, I guess that leads us to a, a good, maybe final question here is, what do you think we can do and what has CTU done to sort of support this? And what can we do moving forward, both as a union and as a community? Um, so, well, just as far as I'll start with the first, the first part of that question, what can CTU do immediately? I mean, I know that um, Lisa McCrane, she called me right away. I've heard from Jesse. I know that this, that CTU is ready to, you know, do whatever they right. can. I know that um, just rallying people maybe through this, mm-hmm. you know, the next month to how can we, um, you know, get more support to our families if we can do that as a union to reach out to our members. Because um, it's a little bit, it, it's, I think that's more of a way to reach our members and it'll reach right. the members that are maybe a bit more politically active and that, you know, really, what can I do right now? I mean, I know teachers are sitting at home and staff, not just teachers, all staff are sitting at home. Right. Like, what can I do? You know, so I think that any way that CTU can, um, you know, bring attention to and, and not only our families that are undocumented, but, you know, all families that really need more of a personalized, more, more personalized support than just getting like the CPS meals, you know, or just getting yeah. tools to get their food. Um, you know, I'm, we worry about our students at home and what they're doing all day because it's, you know, they don't quite understand what's happening. And, you know, we think about all the students that are at home, but there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, there can be a way that maybe CTU can support families through learning activities that maybe aren't necessarily just on the computer. You know, that's another, that's another big concern. So. Um, I think that there's so many creative people at CTU. I think there's just, you know, so many active members that if we could, you know, put our heads together and figure out some different ways to support um, the families, you know, with their children, plus um, with the, you know, with the pressure maybe to the city and to, to how are we going to support families beyond just, like I said, going to the local school to pick up food. You know, that's just not, that's just not enough. Thank you so much, Emily, for coming on the yeah. show. We appreciate you and um, your candor and just all your details and yes. reference to what's going on. People really need to be aware. So thank you so much. Oh, it was my pleasure. And hopefully we can stay in touch um, through these next this next month and come up with yes, some you know, creative and innovative ideas to, to support our students and families. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much for everything you've done up there. Oh, don't don't even mention it. so much for listening to yeah. episode 15 corona crisis yeah. again i'm your co-host andrea parker and i'm jim and we're so glad that you're listening if you are a new listener or a regular listener please tell someone to listen to us there are many ways that you can hear our voices and one way is to go to ctulocal1.org and we're on the home page you can also go to any podcasting platform any of spotify 
yep, and there yep. are many others. And so subscribe to us and you'll be able to get notifications as soon as we drop our new episode. There you go. And don't forget, you can call us also at 312-467-8888. And you can leave a little voice message there where we can put you on the air with a question or a comment you've got. And don't forget, you can email us as well at ctuspeaks at ctulocal1.org. 